breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Kio. Mike and McCarty in studio with Dr. Philip Roseman, uh, education advocate here in town. Um, Philip, just a brief history for those that don't know you. Um, you worked with um, the the one of the first initiatives that you got started years ago was yeah, the Alliance for Education. Alliance for Education. And, uh, I um, I'm a I'm a physician uh, by trade and uh, just believe education is the most important thing we can deal with in our community and what's going to set it apart for its future and have been working on that for a long time and so uh, the the uh, school board is is set to vote I believe next week on a proposal to close the Stoner Hill Lab School and merge those students into Cresswell Elementary I believe. Um, what do you know about this plan? I mean, there are a lot of people in the Stoner Hill neighborhood that are not happy about it, but how has the enrollment declined in that community, in that school? Well, it's, uh, you know, the enrollment in the Caterpillar school system has declined. The enrollment in the nation's declined. The enrollment in the state's compl- uh, declined. So this is just part of a continuous reduction of enrollment. Um, there's only about 200 students in the Stoner Hill school now. Uh, they only have one grade uh, per uh, one class per grade, and one of the grades has only eight or ten students. So, you know, it's a bigger school with uh, n- uh, not really that big a student enrollment. And again, um, we're talking about the possibility of those students being able to go to Cresswell, which is a fabulous school. Um, it's a superstar school. Uh, uh, I uh, do an education podcast, and we talk to the people from Cresswell and the work in the communities and school, and I was very impressed about what they're doing at Cresswell School, and I think the parents of the students will feel the same uh, once they get there. Has there been kickback for uh, the idea of closing Stoner Hill? Sure. I think there's kickback every time you close or think about closing any school. Um, in Jefferson Parish, uh, this uh, past year, they closed eight schools. Um, and uh, there was a need to do that. And and we're, we're going to have to start making some of those hard decisions about consolidating schools here again because, you know, a few, about 20 years ago, we had 53, 54,000 students in the Caddo Parish school system. And now we have about 37,000 and we have the same infrastructure. So that is probably going to need to change uh, uh, to make it most efficient uh, financially uh, in running the schools. So what's caused – is this a decline just in public schools or is it in public and private schools? It's uh, public it schools. What I'm issue? talking about is public schools. There is an out-migration issue uh, in this town mm-hmm. that we live in, Shreveport. Uh, to uh, Bossier, to uh, uh, Soda Parish, uh, and then to Texas. You know, many people move to Texas. We we all have seen that. Uh, so it's an out migration, but it, uh, uh, there's just there's less students in the school system, and it has been consistently dropping 
uh, every year. Isn't that pretty much a, um, a result of the baby boomers' kids are now out of school? Uh, that's probably it, mm-hmm. uh, having less children right. uh, with this, the current uh, uh, parents are having less children than they did 20 years ago. Um, and um, uh, so I, I think there's a lot of reasons, you know, why. Um, but realistically, uh, this is the start of thinking about consolidations for schools because we have less students. What will happen with the Stoner Hill facility? What What are you hearing? What's the plan? That's always a problem, leaving an empty school in our neighborhood. And I think it's going to be a pro- There's no definite plans for the school. There's no definite buyer for the school. Uh, I know in our dealings with Arthur Circle, that school stood without anybody in it for almost a decade. Uh, and, um, you know, it's a nice piece of land. So, uh, again, they'll be looking for uh, uh, people that are interested in using that facility uh, or using that land. And, you know, I think there are some people that were looking at, uh, for instance, at Arthur Circle that may be looking at Stoner Hill, I don't know, for any kind of project. There was a little bit of discussion I heard last week when it popped up that it could be a second location for your key academy for um, kids with dyslexia, correct? Well, at one point in time, you know, we were looking for a a school that that this was discussed uh, even back then uh, before announcement. I think they've been working on this for and talking to people in the community and talking to parents and talking for a long time. Uh, and so uh, 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 this possibility of the future of the closing of the school was presented to us, uh, but uh, we felt that it would be uh, best interest for our school to buy the Arthur Circle School. Where are you now on that? How soon do you hope to get that school open, and how do, how do folks start applying or finding out more? They're working every day on mm-hmm. the school and uh, remodel, doing some remodeling of school, obviously, and getting it ready for the type of teaching that goes on uh, in uh, the, the specialty school for dyslexia. Uh, so uh, uh, we are, we are uh, testing uh, children uh, uh, for dyslexia. Uh, every time we have a testing, we seem to fill it up in no time. Uh, so I th- think there's a lot of students that are being checked on because of their difficulties with reading, uh, and we expect and will will be open uh, for this next school year, no doubt. Uh, this, this, the, uh, the place will be ready, the school will be ready, uh, and the teachers will be ready, and, and I feel certain that we'll have a significant number of students. You know, it's not just Caddo Parish, you know, that mm-hmm. that – uh, can be served by this school. Uh, it can be Bossier Parish, Webster, DeSoto. In fact, in Baton Rouge, where the first school is, there's about 12 parishes that are served by the school. So it's not just one parish, but it covers a large area. And 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 parents that are looking to get some help with dyslexia for their children are often willing to drive uh, to get that help. Uh, and this school provides that at no cost, which mm-hmm. is another great – I mean, to me, it, it's the great part of this is mm-hmm. that it's a charter school. It's at no cost. Um, my my grandchild uh, pays more than the tuition, I think, at LSU uh, to go to a school in Dallas. 
so I know how much this costs, uh, and we're being able to get it to the people in our community. And for those that, that don't know what we're talking about, the Louisiana Key Academy is going to be focused uh, strictly for students with dyslexia. It's strictly for dyslexia. It's all, every student there has dyslexia. Mm-hmm. That's part of the beauty of the whole thing. Is there's an expertise that develops because you're all you're you're having teachers that are interested in teaching kids with dyslexia. So that you have a trained staff to deal with that issue. Yeah, it's tremendous teacher training that goes into this, and and there'll be people from other places and people from here that'll be trained. Uh, to teach in the school and uh, dyslexia is just it's it's very common, much more common than than I and, thought. And, and and it will serve what grade levels? It'll uh, serve first through the fourth grade, and we're hope at the beginning, and it'll add a grade every year. Uh, and we hope to be starting a kindergarten too. We're working on that. And so, if somebody is interested in learning more, it's called Louisiana Key Academy. How do they find out more information? It's LKA Louisiana Key Academy LKA the initials dot com. Okay. Go to that website, and you'll be uh, you'll be able to get to uh, more conversation about this and what where you can go when they're going to test again, um, and more about the school. Uh, so people can fully understand. I'll tell you a story. Uh, we went to the city council yesterday to talk about this school. Alan Jackson, one of the councilmen, has a child who has uh, dyslexia, and he talked about how difficult it was for him. He's a he's a doctorate. Okay, how difficult mm-hmm. it was for him to get the service that he needed and to understand what was going on with his own child. Uh, and how guilty he felt about the fact that he thought his kid just was being lazy when, in fact, the child didn't see the words like we see the words, and he would have to be trained to do that. So So I think that goes on all over. And I tell you, the more I listen to these uh, stories of, of, of parents and students, people I know, people in the state legislature who have dyslexia, I'm just amazed. Uh, uh, how it, people. it goes a lot deeper than than we realize, mm-hmm. doesn't it? It does, and they're, yeah. these are very, very, very bright children uh, who are just don't see the words on the page right, and thus they can't really read well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and uh, sets them back. It does. It sets mm-hmm. them back a great deal. You know, fifty to eighty percent of the jail population is dyslexic. Wow, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. They can't read, uh, and they can't. It's difficult to go further in education and get a good job, and all that leads to a public safety issue. So mm. this is a really an issue of literacy. It's even an issue of public safety uh, and getting, I guess, being proactive mm-hmm. to kind of reduce the jail population by educating them and having them be literate. Uh, and this is just another thing in that, another bow and that, another arrow in that quiver. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Louisiana Superintendent of Education, Kate Brumley joining us. Good morning, Kate. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. One of the big subjects coming up, uh, of course, a uh, legislative session is teacher pay. 
tell us about what uh, what 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 do we expect on teacher pay for this year? Yeah, look, I've been having conversations with with legislators about this issue. Um, I made a recommendation our, our state board endorsed, and and we provided it to the legislature that calls for a two thousand dollar across the board pay raise for our teachers, one thousand dollar for support uh, workers, but it also creates a, a, a targeted pool of funds. Uh, that we're calling differentiated compensation that would provide system leaders uh, and governing boards of schools the ability to have additional funds uh, for critical shortage areas, uh, subjects like high school math and science, special education, hard-to-staff schools, um, teachers who are who are really performing well in terms of student outcomes, and then also teachers who are taking on additional responsibilities in terms of mentoring uh, new teachers and supporting other teachers. And so uh, there's a lot of conversation happening around around teacher pay raise right now, uh, and we'll just have to continue to track that. How do we compare to the national average of teacher salaries in Louisiana? Yeah, look, nationally, um, we're we're at least you know ten thousand dollars or so behind uh, the 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 comparison that is is most frequently used in in our state is what's called the Southern Regional Average or the SREB average. Uh, and the SREB, SREB average a couple of years ago was about uh, fifty-five thousand, uh, and so we're we're a couple of thousand dollars behind the SREB average. Um, but you know, we we have we have made gains the last couple of years because our teachers have received pay raises um, the the last three years, I think. Uh, but certainly this year, we're working to try to secure an additional pay raise for our teachers because we believe that they need and deserve it. There's also a lot of talk uh, among lawmakers, and you've been working on it too, about making our schools more secure. You you are pushing measures to have one entry in all schools. Is that kind of the, the primary goal? Well, there there are several things important to, to school safety. I think first and foremost is just a culture of if you see something, say something. So having having students believe that if they see something wrong, that, that there's an adult that they can tell. Uh, that something could happen, you know, making sure we have uh, mental health uh, support, such as school counselors available for our kids, um, making sure law enforcement and schools and first responders train together. Uh, but another important uh, element is just hardening our school perimeters, uh, access control, making sure our, our, our locks are functioning properly. And so we received a grant uh, in the amount of $21 million uh, from the federal government for school safety and so it's one-time dollars, and so you know I want to use it for one-time costs, uh, not reoccurring costs. And so what what we have uh, made available to school systems across the state uh, is an application where they can submit proposals for single points of entry. So whenever I talk about single points of entry, I mean making sure that that everyone coming into the school on a daily routine basis is is going through one uh, coordinated single point of entry with all the other doors locking. Uh, that that doesn't mean that they can't uh, exit the building from other doors if necessary, but going in and out, uh, controlling who is in the building, and so we we intend to award forty two grants of a half million dollars each. When, when uh, is that going to happen? When, when are you going to when are you going to make those announcements? Yep, we we released the application about a month ago, a little longer. Uh, we we just received proposals. Our, our goal is to make this just distribution in June. Uh, that way, uh, school systems still have uh, a couple of months or so before the school season starts if they want to use it to try and get this done before the beginning of the school year. Have you gotten proposals from Caddo and Bossier? 
Um, I, I deliberately have not looked at, at the proposals. Uh, we have a, a set of reviewers who are doing that. Um, okay. But I, I know that, that we uh, certainly have a lot of proposals, uh, and, and we're excited about the fact that uh, we're going to be able to fund um, 42 of these proposals. We're talking with Kate Brumley, Louisiana Superintendent of Education. Kate, if you had a magic wand and an, a huge suitcase full of cash, what would your ideal project be? What would you like to do? <laughs> are, are we talking about uh, in terms of, of school safety or, or overall? Overall, what would your dream project be? Oh man, that 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 that's hard on the on the spot. I'm I'm sorry. I, <laughs> for me. For me, most of the time, I just think about, you know, school, schools were never built to be social institutions. We were, we were built to be academic ones. Uh, and I'm afraid along, along the way that was lost sometimes. And so th- for me, the more that we can just focus on simple things like teaching kids to read and do math and graduate high school ready to do something, um, that, that's what's important. And, and along the way, I recognize that like parental rights matter a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then also, uh, along the way, knowing that we have to have a teacher uh, for all of our kids, and, and we're still teachers short uh, across the state. So um, I, I think that that is one of the persistent issues that, that we have been facing. We have, we have made gains, but we still have to do a better job of, one, making sure families have access to the school that makes the most sense for them, and, and two, making sure we have uh, teachers ready for our kids in our schools. I have a lot of friends who teach, and, they're I, you know, I think if I had to ask them their number one complaint, is so much prep work that goes in for leap testing. They spend a lot of their time getting the kids ready for leap testing. Is there a better way to do that, Dr. Brumley? Well, I mean, I think there are several things that, that teachers would say um, compromise their, their ability to do the job in the way in which they would like to do it. I, I think, one, you'll, you'll hear bureaucracy, which I think is a little bit about what you're, you're talking about. And so, you know, we're looking at ways, how can we reduce that? I think another thing you hear is wanting strong leadership in their in their buildings. So, you know, we have over the last couple of years launched a, a principal preparation program to help train uh, aspiring leaders across the state. I think you'll hear they want a classroom free of disruptions, meaning, meaning they want kids to behave in their classroom so they can do their job. Uh, and then, you know, they, they, they want salary that makes sense to them, for them. Um, and so those are all things that we're trying to work on. Um, and, I, and I think we have to do a lot better. Now, if you're talking about leap preparation, I, you know, whenever we're thinking about standardized testing, I like to think more about the content. Um, do, do students understand the skills that are necessary to be uh, successful on a test? Do, do they understand how to uh, work through fractions? Do, do they understand how to diagram a sentence? Do they understand um, scientific uh, uh, principles and, and historical uh, events? And so mm-hmm. I, I think more about actual content that's assessed rather than preparing to be successful on a test, like test-taking strategies. Yeah. There's a, a, a bill being proposed, HB 121, requiring uh, at least 15 minutes of daily recess for public schools uh, with kindergarten's grades uh, through five, kindergarten through five. I was surprised that that's not already. I mean, that to me seems like it's a, a critical component in education is to get those kids active, reset their brains a little bit so they could focus on the, you know, the rest of the day. Well, I mean, I, I told some people 
uh, the other day in a public meeting, if, if they don't like that bill, they can blame me uh, because I, I am I am driving this particular bill, uh, and I'm I'm thankful for the help and support of the, the legislator who's who has authored this. But we we hear so much right now about mental mental uh, health issues and well being and trauma, uh, and and I just believe you know sometimes we just have to let kids be kids, you know, ensure that they have some time during the day where they have supervised but but unstructured uh, recess where they can go out get some fresh air just take a break um and then come back in and and, and do the things that are most important for a school reading and, and math and um, rule but, but right now right now right now across the state there, there are places where uh in in grades k through five kids do not have the opportunity to have a daily recess it's part and, of the know, problem it's here, part of the problem that it it, it takes away that it's not included in in instructional minutes, and this bill will change it. It will say recess is now part of your instructional minutes that you're required. Well, there are certain amount amounts. Yes, so there are certain amounts of minutes required during the day. And, mm-hmm. and what this bill says is that for those K five students, um, this particular fifteen minutes that we're asking to have for recess would not prompt the school year to be lengthened. It would not prompt the day to be lengthened. Okay, uh, and and so. There are there are schools in in the state of Louisiana that do not allow or do not have recess for their kids, and I, I just think that kids deserve the ability. Well, maybe not deserve. Kids should have the opportunity to go out during the day um, and, and and just play and take a mental break for a few minutes. And so w- we think recess is important. Uh, we think it's it's healthy, and uh, that's why we we have that bill in play this. <laughs> 1017 FM 710 Keel Mikey McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, State Representative Alan Seabaugh joining us. Alan, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are y'all doing? We're doing very well. Thank you for asking. Of course, legislative session getting underway. Uh, is there anything in particular? We know teacher raises are going to be an issue. They're talking about school security. Is there any issues that you're looking forward to or pushing? Well, just big picture, the, the, the fiscal irresponsibility of the governor's budget caught a lot of us off guard. Um, what he's essentially doing, I mean, if you, if you go all the way back, his initial budget eight years ago was $26 billion. Mm-hmm. This year, he's asking us to spend $46 billion. Preach! Nothing, in, <laughs> nothing has gotten better. The roads aren't better. People the have left. Thank you. That's we my have point. Fewer people in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It's 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 absolutely indefensible. And what he's also asking us to do, and you really have to dig into it to see, he's he's trying to he- to set up the next governor. It's essentially what Edwin Edwards did when he was term limited in the seventies. He made sure that whoever followed him was going to have a difficult time financially by saddling the budget. What John Bell's trying to get us to do is to use the surplus, the one time money, to. Uh, Get a, put a lot of recurring expenses in the budget so that two, three, four years from now, those recurring expenses are still going to be there, but we won't have hmm. the one-time federal influx of money to pay for them, which will severely hamper whoever comes in next. And so it's really fairly transparent. It's easy to see. Um, but the, the fight is going to be over you know, the big picture trying to not – uh, set the state up for even more failure. And the fact of the matter is, it, w- when you when you go from twenty six billion to forty six billion, and literally nothing has gotten better. That is the best example I can ever come up with for the, the, the simple fact that throwing money at a problem does not solve the problem. 
We've thrown that's money a, at everything, and nothing has gotten better. He will, he will say there's point. more people working. He'll say that the unemployment rate's gotten better. No, 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 no. Those are two very different things. Okay. The unemployment rate is low, but fewer people are working. Uh, he's he's claiming the unemployment rate, mm-hmm. but the unemployment rate only measures people who are actively seeking employment. We have people that have given up, people that have moved out of state, people that simply aren't trying anymore. Um, so the unemployment rate mm-hmm. and people working are two completely different things. If you look at people working, it's, he's been a complete failure. Yes, the unemployment rate's low, but but that's that's not the same thing as people working. The bloated budget up to forty five billion. As you, what is it? What is it being spent on? Has he doubled the state payroll? I mean, where where is that money all going? Can you tell? Well, it's, it, it's not all going any one place, but it's it's a lot. Of uh, uh, of increases across the board. I mean, the, the 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 teacher pay raise is a big one. I have no problem with the teacher pay raise, but the the amount of money he's talking about uh, three thousand dollars per teacher and fifteen hundred dollars for su- school support personnel that's going to go into the MFP, which is by law increases every year. You can't cut it. Mm-hmm. So once you put it in there, it's there forever. And the fact of the matter, look, I have no problem with teacher pay raises. But teachers are local employees, not state employees. The state funds the school system, which then in turn pays the teacher. So he's trying to increase the funding for the local school systems uh, by $3,000 per teacher and $1,500 per employee. But that doesn't necessarily mean that money goes directly to the teachers. That goes to the central office, mm. and they get to spend it however they want. Mm. So it, it's, 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 it's a little different. Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, but but um, battling the next governor and the next administration with that type of recurring expense without the ability to pay for it is it, it, it's fairly transparent. Uh, I look, I think he won't say this, but I think he's planning to wait four years and come back and try to run again. Whoa. And he's trying. And it's exactly what Edwin Edwards did. Mm-hmm. He knew he was going to be term limited in the late 70s. And he, yeah, I don't think he thought a Republican was going to win, but he thought Lewis Lambert was going to follow him. He set everything up to where whoever came in after him uh, was saddled with, with debt, with recurring expenses, and out without the ability to pay for it. And so he spent four years, you know, he, he was quiet for a year, then he spent three years running for reelection. Um, so he's going to come that, in in four years, you think, and then say, oh, I can be the savior. Yeah, look, look, look at what I did last time. And oh, look, the, my gosh. The, 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 I mean, it, it's because of federal money. It's the hurricanes. It's COVID. It's, you know, that, that's what got us out of this. And and the one thing that galls me about all this, y'all remember, go back to 2018, when he was trying to raise taxes and talking about record deficits. It's probably, we never had a deficit. He, John Bell defines a deficit as wanting more money than we have. <laughs> right. That's not a deficit. A deficit is, deficit is not being able to pay your bills. We were, we've never been there as a state. When he said a deficit, he simply meant, I want more money. So we raised taxes, and we, we, we fought, we, I fought, several of us fought tooth and nail to not raise taxes because it was completely unnecessary. Remember, we had special session after special session. Mm-hmm. I filibustered the, the income tax increase that time. So we had, um, it was four, three special sessions in a regular, finally passed the .45. They were able to get 70 votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, of course, voted no. But every year since then, the surplus has been greater than the amount of the tax increase. Is doing think away with the that. income tax a good idea now? Uh, it's something we have to think about. But quite frankly, I don't want to do away with it with John Bell as governor. Because whatever 
whatever he would sign is not going to be good for the people of Louisiana. We're going to have the debate this year, but this is a precursor to the real fix, which will be next year uh, or the following when we have a new governor uh, and a, and a uh, more conservative legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want any half measures that are going to take the issue off the table. We need comprehensive tax reform in Louisiana. Yes. John Bell's idea of how to fix it in mind are very, very different. As long as he's got the veto pin, quite frankly, I don't even want to negotiate. What about an um, increase in the minimum wage to $12 an hour, which he's pitching? Well, it's several things that he pitched um, are just their no-goes. That's a non-starter. Um, the minimum wage increase when um, – look, he can do it for state employees. That's fine. We're, we're with, with, with businesses closing down and, um, you know, it's hard enough to find people, the market will take care of itself. Um, we, we haven't paid an employee at my law firm less than that in years. Um, because we can't, we, tr- look, I would. Um, we, we have runners and stuff that, that if we could get somebody to work, I'd, I'd hire them, but nobody will work for that. So the, the market takes care of itself. Um, it's the if wrong we thing. Let to it. Every, well, everything, yes, exactly. We, we, everything that he proposed, like along that line is saddling business with excess regulation, making it more expensive to do business and making businesses not want to locate to Louisiana. His entire agenda has been, he bragged about running the oil and gas industry out of Louisiana, actually bragged about it Mm. um, Mm. yesterday. I mean, he has devastated the economy, devastated the employment in Louisiana. Um, Out migration is through only Southern state losing population. Uh, with more people moving out than moving in. I mean, every there, it's impossible to find a metric where Louisiana has gotten better with John Bell Edwards as governor. So mm-hmm. my attitude is one more year, say no to everything John Bell proposes, and and mo- move on next year. Uh, he won't do away with the death penalty. Great idea. Uh, that's facetious. Um, <laughs> you scared me for a brief moment there. Oh, boy. Every, literally everything he threw out is problematic. And then look, teacher pay raise, I, I support teachers. I would love to find a way to raise their pay. Um, I don't think that proposal is the proper mechanism. Oh, and and just about everything that he, in fact, I was making notes during the speech. Um, I, I didn't write down any, I, I put a check mark by one thing. I can't remember what it is. I, I have my notes on my desk on the house floor. I okay. put a check mark by his, he said one thing I agreed with, and I don't even remember what it was. I'm glad you didn't fall asleep. I'm glad you didn't fall asleep. I'm proud of you. No, I was, I was, I was writing. <laughs> I put a check mark by, by one point. Everything else I, I fundamentally completely disagree with. Alan. And, uh, I just, I, I, it's, it's, we have one more year to deal with this guy. Um, you know, the veto pen's coming. Um, we're, we're, we just got one more D one more year. FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Good morning, Mr. Barrow Peacock. How are you this morning? Good morning. Good morning, Mike. I'm in the Capitol in Baton Rouge. I'm trying to get ready for the day. Tell the governor we said hi. Yeah. Uh, Well, I don't know if I'll see the governor today, but I will (laughs) tell the House members and the other senators um, that I'm 
there says hello from Shreveport Bossier. Please do. Absolutely. Well, uh, the legislative session has gotten underway, obviously. Uh, one of the topics, Jimmy Davis Bridge, we know that uh, a company has been selected. What can you tell us? Give us an update on that. Well, and, and yesterday I was listening to your show, and of course, I believe it was number 10 on Aaron's um, top 10 list of projects that she wanted to see done. Mm-hmm. And and that was, you know, the, the, the final push got it through. So yesterday, DOTD released that James Construction Group has been selected to do the $360-plus project of a new four-lane bridge across the um, Red River. It's something that is greatly needed. Um, over 30,000 cars cross the river every day. It's something that our, our, our community has needed. And I'm, I'm glad to know that the next step has been done. Now, I, as, as positive as this is, until we're driving on the new Jimmy Davis Bridge, we need to keep the pressure on and keep the focus on how important this is. Because until you're driving, you never know but I will say the James Construction Group is the same group that did the Barksdale interchange on I-20 and I-220, and mm-hmm. they did a great job. They they brought it in on budget, and that project is of the three Garvey bond projects. That was the first one completed in the state, and I'm I'm very optimistic that the Jimmy Davis Bridge, the new Jimmy Davis Bridge, will have the same intensity and focus and completed. Although it's still a it's a it's a four plus year project, um, this is this is great news for Shreveport Bossier. So uh, we're talking with Barrow Peacock, State Senator Barrow. Is this going to be one four lane bridge, or are there going to be two two lane bridges like over no, Shreveport Marksville Highway? This is going to be a four lane median divided highway. It's going to correct all the way out to um, Arthur A. Key to Highway seventy one. It is going to then, once this new bridge is open, the existing bridge will be turned into a, a linear park connecting the pedestrian um, paths on both Arthur Ray Teague and, and Clyde Fant. This is as much as it is the importance of safe travel and easing the morning and evening commute of, of citizens in Shreveport, Bossier. It's also a quality of life. This is something that if you look at what's been done in Waco and in Nashville, with taking bridges and converting them to linear parks, it's a positive thing for Shreveport Bossier. This is a quality of life with the Bossier Grocery Arena there. This sells Shreveport Bossier as positive, um, efficient travel, but also quality of life. It's going to be north of the current bridge. Is that the plan? North of the current bridge, correct. How far and up? I mean, a- it's going to be real close, I guess. It's going to be, I mean, in relative, but it's a, what I've understood about 50 feet. So it, it'll be right there by the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge, just north of it. And one thing I will say, this is not a toll bridge. That is a very positive thing. This is going to be a bridge uh, where citizens and, and commerce can cross free of charge, other than we're paying for it through our taxes to this, um, uh, as Louisiana citizens. You know, it's not going to be a toll bridge, and that's very positive for our it's area going to, state. What's the, what's, the approach, what's the approach? Are you taking some of that old Hamels Park in? I mean, you're obviously well, going to move it, everything it, north a little, right? It, it'll move a little north, and that's mainly on the Bossier side of it. And if you look at if you're going over the Jimmy Davis Bridge, if you look right to the north of that, you'll notice that there's, there's land right there that I believe the city of Bossier has held for some time. 
And if you also look at the Jimmy Davis Highway in there, most of those signs are back a ways off of um, the Jimmy Davis Highway. The right-of-way is there for this new new approach and crossing of the Red River. Uh, that just I'm trying to visualize, because I just always assumed it was going to be south of the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge. It seems like no, if it's, it's north, it's going to dump right into the Brookshire Grocery Arena. Or, no, the, or they're, that, they're, that Reeves, former Reeves Marine location. It, it, it is going to be about 50 feet. That's not much distance. It's going to be right north of the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge. Okay, okay. let's talk linear park a minute. Um, yeah. l- let me c- close my eyes. Don't close your eyes if you're driving, please. And visualize, no. are there going to be picnic tables up there? Will there be, um, obviously, bike lanes? What's going to be up there on the linear park if no. Barrow Peacock has his wish? This is going to be a partnership between state parks, and then our local governments have really stepped up to say, we're going to provide security. We're going to provide picking up the litter and closing the the park in the evenings. But it needs to be something that can be easily maintained, but something that can be used, that you can access. You know, we have wonderful paths on both Clyde Fan and Arthur A.T. This will provide that connectivity between the two, but it needs. it's going to be a crossing, there's going to be, it's going to be ADA compliant, so people will be able to get there. Now, I have not, I know in the past people said, well, we're going to have elevators and this and that. ADA compliant? What, are you going to have a moving wheelchair thingy? No, but it will have the the appropriate kind of ramps to okay. get up to it, and right. so that's going to be done, and it's going to be something that, you know, quality of life, people who are outdoor, riding bikes, um, Jogging will be able to use this, but it, it is going to be something that is practical. It's not going to be, you know, something we can be proud of, but um, something that what is kind not of what kind of green over. space is there going to be? Is anything planned for that, like a frisbee golf course those or are something? Going to be, no, it's not going to be a golf course, and those will be determined. I mean, those will be a community input will be involved with that, and that's that's down the road. What's we're first going to get the new bridge built. Mm-hmm. And the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge will be used for another four years, and then we'll have this new bridge, and then then that will be the focus on how to convert the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge into a linear park. And some people might say they don't want this is how you can do it, and that's the that's the point of this is this is a can do. This is cooperation between the state, DOTD, the um, Billy Gut um, Nungesser's office, who's been great in this local government, the Catabose Report, all of us working together. And that's something that we all need to know. When Shreveport Bozier, when we all push and pull in the same direction, we can accomplish great things. And the new Jimmy Davis Bridge has been long overdue, and we need to keep the focus on it until we're driving on it. But we've made a huge step yesterday with DOTD announcing that they're going to accept the James Construction Group project um, for this this crossing. All right, Barrow. When the uh, when the linear park is open, I will keep working out and I'll ride my bike over it with you. Okay. That 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 sounds like a date. Did I, I just do I do that? like that concept of yeah. of connecting the two uh, bike trails mm-hmm. on Clyde yeah. Fant and great Arthur Ray Teague. That's yeah. a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the focus was is, is a new four lane bridge. Sure. That's the primary focus, mm-hmm. and that's you know we do have to find a use for the existing bridge to make that happen as a new four lane bridge and that's what our citizens need they need a functional safe bridge with light 
that we can cross the Red River, one that we can be proud of as citizens of Freeport Bozeman. Barrel Peacock, State Senator, thanks for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. 1017 FM 17. One seven FM seven ten Keel. I love live radio. Oh, this is awesome. Mike and McCarty in studio with uh Shreveport City Marshal candidate, acting city marshal, uh James Jefferson. Good morning, sir. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you all for inviting me. It's uh it's definitely an honor to be a part of you guys. So. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> That's a nice thing to say. <laughs> kind of on the home stretch, the election is the twenty ninth. Yes. Um, how are things going? Do you feel confident that you'll be uh, elected to the post? Yes, I feel real good about it. Um, just uh, getting a lot of great responses from from the citizens of Shreveport. Um, me and my team, we working very hard. Um, and I, like I said, I feel I feel very good, and I feel confident that that on the twenty ninth, that the citizens are going to make their decision based on. Um, Based on me being the next, uh, continue to be the Shreveport City Marshal. I was at a luncheon yesterday and it was brought up the low turnout. That some mm-hmm. precincts had no one vote. Um, yeah, you, four you, precincts you, had zero yeah. turnout. You have yeah. to be really disappointed in that. Yeah, well, when your name's on the ballot. Yeah, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you know, it's your right to go out and vote and, and voting is, is, it does matter. So I don't want anyone to think that they vote don't matter. Um, but I'm encouraging people to get out, um, to, to get out and vote. Well, especially to get out an early vote. Um, because early vote starts April the 15th through the 22nd and election day is the 29th. So we, my team and we encouraging everyone to get out early to early vote and, and we working real hard on those precincts that had a very, very low turnout. So hopefully we can turn it around. But you know, you made a comment. It's, it's your right to vote. I'm going to take that a step further. It's your obligation as an, as a, a free American citizen to exercise that obligation yes, yes. every time those polls are open. Yes, and you you are so right. Um, you know, it's an obligation no matter what's on the ballot. You know, it's an obligation to go out and vote because a lot of times people when you don't go vote and then you be like, well, they should well, you should have came out and voted. Mhm. <laughs> now, you've been tell us a little bit about James Jefferson for those that don't know. You've been with the city marshal's office for years, is that yes, right? Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I'm James Jefferson. Uh, I started my career out at Cattle Parish Sheriff's Office. Um, I have over 23 years of law enforcement experience, and 17 of those years have been in the Shreveport City Marshal's Office, where I don't work my way up from a regular deputy marshal to the assistant chief deputy, then I was the chief deputy, and then I became interim, um, the interim Shreveport City Marshal once the former great, great Charlie Caldwell Jr. passed, passed away. What changes, if any, do you plan to make if you are elected? Well, you know, to be, to, to be honest, uh, I'm a firm believer if it's not broken, don't try to fix it because our office run like a well-oiled machine. Even after the tragedy of Charlie Carwell is that we never missed a beat. So, you know, I, one of the things that, that we're going to continue to do, we're going to continue to provide great, um, a great positive image to, 
to the citizens uh the citizens report and also we're going to continue to to work um to work very hard to to make sure that the offices continue to run very smooth and very effectively in which we have been what sets you apart from Grayson Butcher, your opponent? Because I have law enforcement experience. I have been through um, a 10-week basic police academy, which I graduated back in 1999. Um, like I said, I got over 23 years of law enforcement experience. There's nothing. I didn't work from, I don't work the streets. I don't work courts. I don't work the front counter. I don't work the metal detector. I don't work every um, capacity in the Shreveport City Marshal's Office. Actually, even when I was worked for Cattle Parish Sheriff's Office, I used to, I was a corrections deputy. I worked in booking and I worked in mass control. And so I have all the law enforcement experience and I have all the working knowledge. of. The Why Shreveport is that City important? Marshall. Why is law enforcement experience important to you? Because we are a law enforcement agency. Because you got to think about it. I'm walking around in a uniform every day and I have the power to make an arrest. And if anything that's... Uh, anything that's going on out the ordinary, I don't have to call SPD or call Calipari Sheriff's Office. I can make the arrest myself. So what about those who say that the actual city marshal is more of an administrative position as opposed to a law enforcement position? Well, we we do have administrative position, you know, that they actually run the inside of the office. But you got to think about in my, in my office is that we have guys that work actually work the streets that serve papers. We serve over forty thousand papers a year, and also we have a warrants and intelligence uh, division that actually go out and locate different people on different warrants. And we also have also partnered up with Shreveport Police Department. ATF to uh, help combat some of this crime for gun violence. As well. I was going to ask you about that. Can your office do better in helping address crime? And yeah. give me some ideas. Which we, I mean, do better. Which we are doing. You know, I feel like every day you get up, you can do you can do better in anything that you anything that you do and and we're making the necessary steps as we speak right now um with the partnership that we have with Shreveport Police Department along with Cattle Parish Sheriff's Office because anytime those guys call and need us hey they right there by our side anytime we call them they they right there by our sides because I, I really I'm, I feel great and I feel confident the relationship that we have with all the local local law enforcement agencies are you short city marshals I am short about th- yes ma'am I am short about three deputies because they retired you know a few years ago are you doing anything special to recruit new ones? Yeah, actually, we're looking for candidates right now um, to to replace uh, the couple people that that's, uh, that retired. So we just, you know, I tell people all the time in this line of business, um, don't nobody want to be the police anymore um, mm. because number one, you know, it's it's one of those jobs that, you know, it's a da- very dangerous job and and it's just like school teachers, you know, don't nobody want to be a school teacher anymore. Mm-hmm. But when you look at law enforcement and, and school teachers, they're two of one of the most important jobs. I feel like that's you know, in our country because you got to have law enforcement. you got to have teachers to teach the kids. Mm-hmm. Well, in this era of defund the police, uh, yeah. criminals are now exalted and police have been vilified. It's it's no wonder police departments across the country are having trouble staffing and keeping officers. So good luck in, in filling those positions. Right. And, and I don't mean that sarcastically. Sure. I mean, genuinely, we hope for the best. Yeah, and, and we hoping as well for not only for in my office, but, you know, with the sheriff department and streetport police department and and across the river as well you know hopefully that at some point that all the agencies we can be fully staffed at 100 percent to you know continue to do our job effectively james jefferson thanks for coming in thank you guys for having me mm-hmm.
1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty in Shreveport City Councilman Alan Jackson will be discussing street repairs with us when we come back. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten. Keel, Mike, and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Shreveport City Councilman Alan Jackson joining us. Alan, good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're good. We're doing well. Uh, the mayor's trying to set aside, make a budget moves to put about twelve million dollars into street repairs. Uh, sent out a list of the repairs, the streets that are to be repaired, but you guys have delayed it. Can you explain why? We delayed it because um, when we got the list, the list was not a part of the ordinance. So if you pull up the ordinance from our minutes, you don't see um, the list of streets that's going to be repaired. There were some, uh, a couple of uh, streets on there that we believe should be paid by some different funding sources. So we wanted to get some clarification on that first um, before allocating new money towards streets that should have already been um pay for through a different funding source. So can we you, just wanted to make Can you give us an example of, of of some streets that are on the list that have other money in them for them? Um, so I can give you one example of one of the, the new one one street on there that on that list is is not even the street that's being repaired. Um, it is a brand new street. Um, and when that contract was was written and, and again we wanted to make sure we're doing our, our due diligence we believe when that contract was written that street was that new street was budgeted in for that new particular contract you know so there has been some concerns you know why we're spending so much money on a new street um, when we have a lot of existing streets that need to be repaired and to me that is an extra concern so um, council wanted to make sure that we're doing our due diligence and we're not spending money on a brand new street before uh, fixing existing streets. And that brand new street would be where? Um, it's actually in um, Councilman Bowman District. Um, and, and I don't have it in front of me. Uh, forgive me. Uh, okay. Uh, but I, I have to get back to you on that. Do you anticipate the list that the, the mayor's office sent out to you guys and to us will change much other than you might move move some around to other funding sources. Are there other streets you want added to the list? I guess is the best way I could say it. Yes. Yeah, so the, of course, there there are a lot of more streets that we can be added to the list. I do want to say for the record um, that these streets were approved back in um, 2020. So this is not a new list of streets. We get calls all the time about adding streets. So this is a lengthy, lengthy process. So when those streets were approved back in 20. Then it has to go to a design phase. So it's a lengthy process before they actually even begin working on the street. In between that time, of course, concrete has gone up. And so what has happened is those streets that the previous council had, had already approved now no longer uh, has the funding in order to fix those streets because of cost materials have gone up. And so what, uh, the administration had did was allocate additional money um, that needs to be approved by council to make sure that we can get those initial streets fixed. What council's concern is uh, we want to make sure that no other streets were added to this list, no streets were taken off um, in, in, the, in the interim to make sure that the, the proper funding is going towards the streets that were already approved and no additional new streets have been added. 
What ha- what other action did you take with regard to the mayor's proposing? Uh, I believe five hundred thousand for litter, five hundred thousand for street light maintenance, and five hundred thousand for demolition. Did y'all act on those three budget amendments as well? So all of that was under one ordinance, okay. um, uh, and that ordinance was postponed. Uh, and that ordinance was postponed again because it included the money with the streets. Um, as well as moving money from different departments um, to go back for the, the general funding. And so we just postponed the entire ordinance in order to be in, so we can look at the street issues to make sure that it's done um, correctly and properly. I, I, I trust you, so I'm going to ask you the question that everybody in town is thinking, um, yes. and I hope you don't mind. This look this looks like this looks like a power struggle between the council and the mayor. Um, what do ye say to that? It's definitely not a power power struggle because uh, we both want the same thing. Um, we're, we're excited that money has been allocated towards the streets because we all know we, we need funding for streets. We all drive on the same street, so this is definitely not a power struggle. Um, we're, we're excited that we're going to get some streets fixed. You know, however, once that list is published, you know, we have a lot of people saying, why this street? Why not my street? You know, so council has to be prepared to answer that question. Um, and, and, and I'm curious to know what the audience thinks. You know, if, if, if you find out that there's a, you know, a brand new street, you know, um, being, um, being funded, um, versus an existing street, um, that's raggedy, you know, I, I'm curious to know how the audience feel about it. You know, mm-hmm. um, council feels like, we want to make sure that our existing streets are fixed first, and we definitely don't want to spend money on a new street, especially if we feel like that new street um, was budgeted from a different um, funding source. So yes. we just want to do our diligence, but this is not a power struggle. Um, this is council taking their time to making sure that the money is being appropriated correctly and that the citizens get the biggest bang for their buck. Is the list laid out in a priority fashion? Certain streets are in worse conditions, so they're at the top of the list, or uh, is it so, just? So, so, so great question. Um, so, the, uh, our engineer has a process of what's called a street rating, and so they they put forth to council um, the worst streets. So, again, this was done back in um, 2019, 2020. So this is, this big list came out from the engineers department saying, hey, these are the worst streets in Shreveport. Based on that, um, a dollar amount was tied to those streets, um, given the estimate amount of repairs. And then council had to vote on which streets will actually get fixed based on the worst of the worst, but also based on the, the, the money source that was available at that particular time. So from 2019-2020, once those streets were approved in 2020, now we go into, uh, because you have to spend money on uh, getting the design, the plans, and the administration doesn't want to spend money until council says, okay, these are the streets that we're going to address. So now we're in the design phase, different things, and, and some streets are actually have been working on, but between that time, you know, inflation happened, material has gone up, and so the money that was approved to fix the streets that were approved is no longer enough. Let me ask you something. In in previous years, I've been doing this a minute, um, it's Mm -hmm. always been, you know, we divide up the money kind of evenly among council districts. I always thought that was kind of ludicrous because some districts (laughs) may have more problems. Are y'all looking at this like, I want my share in my district? How how are you guys addressing that that problem? 
so so honestly, that is still an ongoing conversation, and you're correct. Um, certain council people feel like it, it should be divided equally. You know, um, uh, my district is, is just as important as your district. However, others do look at it the same way you're looking at it now and saying, hey, some districts are larger in the sense that um, uh, it's more spread out. And we're not talking about numerically the number of people, but just um, square footed. Some districts are, are larger and some districts uh, have been waiting longer. Some districts have newer streets uh, mm-hmm. than other districts. So we are we're using that rating sheet and seeing which streets are the worst off, which streets are the most traveled. Um, I, I personally am not looking at it per district. Um, I, I believe this is one street court, and, and I'm okay with another district um, getting a little more funding um, um, based on that mindset. Um, they've been waiting longer. Um, they have uh, worse streets um, than my district. Um, so we are working together to make sure that happens. But at the end of the day, we do want to make sure that it is done equitably and, and fairly, but keeping the entire Shreveport um, in mind. Shreveport City Councilman Alan Jackson. Sir, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you, mm-hmm. sir. Uh, sports. Um- One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Yesterday we got to uh, attend the North Shreveport Business Association luncheon. Mm-hmm. They do it every month. They have uh, usually have great speakers. Mm-hmm. Yesterday's wasn't so good. Um, <laughs> no, wow! I, he knows I'm kidding. Shreveport Mayor uh, Tom Arsenault spoke yesterday. We love Tom. Yeah. I kid because I joke. Mm-hmm. I, I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also in in the, in those meetings, the uh, Shreveport Fire Department kind of gives a monthly update. Mm-hmm. Shreveport Police Department gives a monthly update. Um, and yesterday, Police Chief Wayne Smith was was giving his update, mm-hmm. and he just he made the comment almost offhandedly that the department is down 145 officers mm-hmm. well Aaron you and I looked at each other immediately we when he heard said that, that number yet yeah yeah because our, our, the last number we heard was 130 officers yes so that means in the, in the span of about a month we've lost another 15 officers he said 145 and you and i both turned to each other yes, and went immediately. did he say 145 <laughs> yeah did you exactly, hear what i just heard yes and i thought holy cow so it's getting really bad when it, you're 145 down and you're struggling with, you know, rising crime. I know he's got a new academy coming in, uh, you know, online. But, I mean, that's only, what, 10 or 15 maybe? That'll finish, yeah. So huh. this is a disturbing trend. Mm-hmm. I've got a story on keelnews.com if you want to read more about that. Uh, Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. 
Uh, I mentioned last hour we got a chance to attend the Shreveport North Shreveport Business Association luncheon that they do every month, and those are always enjoyable. Uh, the good speakers every month, and uh, of course, it seems like anybody that's anybody in uh, local politics and administration are there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple things that stood out to me. Um, that kind of caught me when one we mentioned la- late last hour was, uh, Shreveport Police Chief Wayne Smith's comment almost, almost offhandedly about mm-hmm. being 145 officers short. Yes. Uh, was there anything else that stood out that kind of jumped out at you? Yeah. It was a great question by, uh, Nita, who is a, a political watchdog in the community. She attends all the council mem- meetings. Now, what's your name? Nita. Gosh, okay. I'm not going to come up with her last name. I should have written it down. I'm so sorry. Um, she asked about the consent decree and where are we on that? And if you're unfamiliar, I mean, I don't want to get too mm-hmm. far in the weeds, but the federal government back in 2014, I believe, uh, said, Shreveport, your sewer system is horrible. You're now leaking, you know, sewage into areas where you shouldn't be and you need to fix that immediately you're now under and they agree the, the uh, they entered a consent decree which is like here's our, your we want to see the map of what you plan to do the timetable and you need to have the work complete by i believe it is 2025 is the date um so november the, 12th excuse me november 12th 2026 to the tune of it, how at much at the time it was 350 million which was Wow. Holy cow. Right. Um, And that was at the time, what, 14 you said? 2014. Now the price tag is up to 1.3 billion, I believe. Oh, gosh. So add a billion to that number. Maybe more. I may be wrong on, you know, maybe actually more than that. So we have gradually over the years started, you know, trying to keep up with the price tag by some – water and sewer rates but we've kind of reached the end of that where we we're not bringing in enough money to keep paying for the improvements and so the mayor dropped a bombshell in answering nita Steele's question yesterday said we are facing a four million dollar fine from the department of justice if we don't get moving on this and get it you know show more progress than we're showing and so I followed up her question and I said, well, does that mean then you need to start looking at a water and sewer rate increase? To which he said, let me find the quote exactly so I well, don't. he said something to the nature of we're going to have to look into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said, quote, there is a good chance we're going to have to look at that over the latter part of this year. Yeah. So I would not be surprised if he presents to the council um some sort of water and sewer rate increase which would help pay for these repairs because we are way behind schedule way behind schedule and he is in negotiations he said in answering nita's question we're way behind schedule on meeting the the, the progress and so they're now see, saying they're going to find but they're negotiating t- to try to reach a settlement this is an issue that he stepped into office and inherited Oh, and, and so did Adrian Perkins, and right, so did sure, Ollie sure. Tyler. Yeah, I'm not laying it on, I mean, it, on, on Adrian at all, but it, this is something that's been accumulating, mm-hmm. obviously, since 2014 right. and before, because for them to come in 
in 2014 and say you guys have a problem and then the it's been going on for years before that right we have so not long? been putting money aside to you know update the system we have just been letting it and that's one of the big problems with the city of shreveport is that we let the convention center deteriorate we let our water and sewer systems deteriorate we let i mean you heard shelly ragel last week our pools Mm-hmm. are deteriorating we're well, we're going we're not going to be able to use our pools pretty soon one's already out of commission at bill cockrell she said the the newest one is was built in like the 70s right and we and again you know bond issues for that have failed and i understand that but but part of the reason the bond issues fail and and the, and it's kind of a you know chicken or the egg is because we look around and we go, well, everything we've given you, you're not taking care of. Right. So why would we give you anything new and shiny? You have to show me you can take care of these things. And, and that discussion was brought up when uh, police chief first started talking about the uh, different precincts and, and building substations right. around the city. Right. And go, well, we can't take care of what we've got. Exactly. How are you going to build new? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 gosh, it's hard to argue that point because I I want to you know part of me says let's don't think that way mm-hmm. if we you know because we need things yes but then you go well my gosh look at our look at our water and sewage infrastructure right you exactly. know as someone who lives in Broadmoor mm-hmm. constant I mean two houses down from me their sidewalks been busted up trying yes. to repair the water main and and I'm just telling you right now to pay the feds four million dollars it's not a one time I mean it's going to be an ongoing you're going to have to pay us four million I don't know how often if it's a annual and that's money that we can't put towards the news it's money you the flushed. one billion dollars you just flushed it so we have to really think about and and again uh mayor former mayor perkins was in negotiations to try to to come to an agreement and that never uh, they never had any luck with that now mayor arsenault is stepping in he's trying to negotiate or his team is to try to you know get the department of justice to, i guess to extend our deadline for making all the improvements because right. we're not on track to meet the deadline i mean there's no way we still have, I don't even think we've gotten to phase three. I may be wrong. Well, I don't think we've gotten to some of the phase three projects. So you can see that at keelnews.com and you can see, you know, the progress of the work and all that. I'm working on that right now. Um, but it's a, it's a big mess. And to talk already in your first 100 days about increasing water and sewer rates, yikes. Who wants to do that as a new mayor? But he did it. And, you know, he, you got to give him props. He did it. He didn't shy away from it. He said, we're going to have to think about it. Well, and one of the presentations that he gave, too, was about the uh, the new bond issues that are coming up that should have been taken care of in the previous administration. Mm-hmm. And these aren't new. <laughs> well, no, you're right. You're right. Well, technically, I know, technically I know. they are because they should have been renewals mm-hmm. uh, last year. But they 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 slipped on through the cracks. Stubbed our toe again. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that more coming up. Oh. Micah McCarty, one zero one seven. One zero one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty talking about uh, the luncheon yesterday, where Mayor Arsenault 
did, uh, as you say, dropped the bomb on possible higher water and sewerage rates mm-hmm. uh, in Shreveport. He did, uh, he's got the 2023 proposed millage reauthorizations that yeah. he handed out. And uh, one, two, three, four, there are six on here. And these are not new, and he kept calling them taxes, which I know they are. Um, they're not first streets. It was enacted in 1941. Wow! Wow! <laughs> We've been paying this since 1940, so this is not new. This is nope. not a new tax. Uh, recreation facilities, point eight four mil. Uh, city wages and salaries, police, fire, uniforms and equipment. Um, pensions for city employees, which is the largest one on the list at 1.7 mil. And then uh, the police three platoon system, mm-hmm. which is three eight-hour shifts, basically, right. covering us 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. which obviously we need. You bet. So, again, the, these these are all, the most current one is the, the police Three pl- uh, platoon system is, was enacted in 1970, so this is not new. And and I do I do encourage all the Shreveport voters. We need to pass these. Yeah, they, every these one of critical. these needs. Th- these are critical that mm-hmm. that need to be passed. They they should have been on the previous ballot, but they weren't. They were overlooked by the previous administration for whatever reason. It just it just happened. Right. And thankfully, we have an election scheduled. I mean, I would be so angry if we didn't have an election on the ballot and we had to call a complete special election just for these just villages. For the, yes. Because we stubbed our toe again and we didn't get them on the fall ballot either October or November. That would have been a travesty. Because um, elections are, you know, start at a million to call an election, essentially. And 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 Tom put it in perspective, Mayor Arsenault. You know, he said if you have a home valued at one hundred thousand dollars, you'll be paying seventy four dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And and that's not new. Those are what you've been paying. You've been this paying is what that, you've yeah. been paying. Uh, a two hundred thousand dollar home would be a hundred forty eight dollars a year. And uh, $300,000 home, $222 a year. That's not over and above anything you've been paying. This is what you have been paying. And uh, and these six millages need to be renewed. And he said if, the, if they do not, um, they will have to find the money elsewhere, which, I mean, that means belt tightening for every other department. That would be well, yeah. that would mean cuts. That would mean, you know, lots of things that you can only imagine if you have to, what's it, 11 million is the total for uh, all of 11 them? 11 point, yes. Mm-hmm. $11,549,500. That's a lot of money to be trimming from the budget. So they, they really are critical. And again, April 29th, early voting is the 15th through the 22nd, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I don't know so. if I wrote that down, but that that's when, when the uh, early voting starts. So that's coming up real soon. When's the 15th? Friday? Saturday? Saturday, it's coming up, yeah. yeah. So Early know, voting. If you're not going to be in, you know, you can go to your registrar's office, and we have the extra location out on Burke Coons at the library, so you can vote there as well. Um, but it's important that you vote. And the other thing that I heard in that meeting yesterday, the luncheon yesterday, was that there were precincts in the uh, the uh, election a few weeks ago. That was disturbing. Well, there were no voters. Nobody. That was up. another moment when you and I just kind of looked at each other. Whoa! Four precincts had zero votes cast. 
Those workers sat there all, all day. Yes. Nary a person walked in the door. Now, when I went in, if the polls are open, unless I'm out of town mm-hmm. and, and I should have early voted, um, I'm at the polls. Oh, Even yeah. like this last election, all that was on our ballot was this city marshal's race. Mm-hmm. I went. Oh, me too. And when I went in, and I don't remember what time it was, it was on a Saturday. Uh, Aaron, I walked right up to the table. And, and oh. where I go to vote, there are four or five tables for different precincts mm-hmm. in that area. Um, nobody was there. Nobody. And, and I didn't look at the number when I when I signed the sheet. Um, and how many was were before me, but it, it, it wasn't a lot. I went at like 2.30 in the afternoon. Mikey, I was like, I think number 46. That's, uh, see, that's... That's so sad. It was so... I looked around the room and I thought, where is everybody? Now, it was a beautiful day. It was air show Saturday, you know, and I get that. But holy cow, you got to vote. It was air show Saturday. Yes, it I was. I still voted. Mm-hmm. I still went. And Absolutely. we went to the air show on base. Because it took all of 30 seconds to vote for yes. crying out loud. Oh, man. And, and, you know, when we had James Jefferson in earlier this morning, uh, he made the comment, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's our, it's our uh, right, you know, to vote. It's, mm-hmm. we have the, no, it's our obligation yeah. If you. if you are of voting age and you you know you live in America and you're enjoying the freedoms that we still have, not as many, mm-hmm. uh, but we still still the greatest country in the world. Yeah. You need to vote. Right. Oh, it's troubling. It really is troubling. Can we replay uh, Senator Barrow when we Peacock when we come back? Please do. About 8.40? Let's uh, do that. 8.40, Barrow Peacock talked with us about the Jimmy Davis Bridge Project. Uh, if you missed that conversation, you'll hear it at 8.40. Mike and McCarty. What- What now? God, it's like I walked in the door of my house. What? I'm upset. I, you know, we got a bombshell announcement from. Don't you have to do the 101? Blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, 1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Okay, bosses, we're good now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Something about you know we got to say who we are. Um, yeah. I, you know I. I I like Kyle Ardwan. Okay. He's a fun guy. He's a fun interview. He came in. He tried my crawfish beignets. He actually went to the kitchen with us and, 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 you know, I texted him this morning. Good sport. Yeah, he's a very good sport. He's funny. You know, he's way funnier off the air than he is on the air. I would just be honest. And he announced yesterday he's not running for re-election. Which, you know, we're less than six months now, probably, from the election. I don't know. I don't do good math. People know. Oh, he's not. Okay. Now, you told me earlier this morning he's not running. Mm -hmm. I was just assuming you meant he's not running for governor. No, he's not running. You said he's not running for reelection. Yes. He's decided here at the last minute that he's not running. And he is, he is, reports indicate it's for health reasons. But I don't know that he's formally said that. Um, he's 55 years old. He was appointed when uh, Tom Shedler was 
ousted after, you know, sexual harassment complaints were filed and levied against him. So Kyle, who worked in the office, was appointed and then won the special election and then won the election in 2019 and now dropped the bomb yesterday. He's not running for re-election. So I texted Kyle, excuse me, Mr. Ardwan, and this morning, and I said, any chance you can talk with us? I'll keep those beignets flowing. <laughs> Crickets. Now, I did see a report that he wasn't doing any uh, TV interviews or anything, that he just said he's not running. He sent he sent me a statement. You know, they did send out a statement, which you can see at keelnews.com. But um, no interview, it looks like. I'm a little bit bummed. Yeah, Kyle, he's kind of like me. He's a big boy. Yeah. So you say it might be health issues? That's what the reports indicate from several folks in South Louisiana. You know, I don't know that. I don't want to report that as fact. Okay. I would have asked him that, you know, or were there health reasons? Is it family reasons? And, you know, and I like Kyle a lot. But, you know, when I say I'm disappointed he's not going to do it, if it were me and, you know, there had been some allegations against him for, you know, that he allowed too many mail-in ballots during the pandemic and there was a lot of people that were on his case you know if all that had still been going on and the media wants to do interviews with him as he's exiting i would say look i'm gonna make my announcement that i'm gone i'm going away leave me alone i'll serve out till january his term ends that's what's going his term ends in january Mm -hmm. so he's going to stay through the remainder of his term that's the plan he'll serve out the remainder of his term um but, you know, will he do any interviews? Will he talk about it? Will he say, look, I made my announcement. I'm going to continue to do my job, which I was elected to do, and then I'm moving on. But I was a little bummed. I would hoped he would, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we would be an exception right now. I mean, because he's a relatively, he's a young man. Yeah, 55 is a pretty young guy. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can catch up with him in the next, fo- maybe the dust will settle a minute and then he'll come back. And maybe I'll lure him up here with something even better than crawfish beignets. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you can't eat that unhealthy stuff anymore. Well, that's what, you know. That could be it, too. Yeah. <laughs> we could tell him Southern make donuts. And, oh, you know. Lord. <laughs> uh, State Senator Barrow Peacock spoke with us earlier this morning about updates on the Jimmy Davis Bridge. We'll uh, play that conversation next, Mike and McCarty. Um. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Good morning, Mister Barrow Peacock. How are you this morning? Good morning. Good morning, Mike. I'm in the Capitol in Baton Rouge. I'm trying to get ready for the day. Tell well, the governor we said hi. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I'll see the governor today, but I will say <laughs> tell the House members and the yeah. other senators um, that. Um, there, says hello from Shreveport, Bossier. Please do. Absolutely. Well, uh, the legislative session has gotten underway, obviously. Uh, one of the topics, Jimmy Davis Bridge, we know that uh, a company has been selected. What can you tell us? Give us an update on that. Well, and, and yesterday I was listening to your show, and of course, I believe it was number 10 on Aaron's um, top 10 list of projects that she wanted to see done. Mm-hmm. And and that was, you know, the 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 final push got it through. So yesterday, DOTD released that James Construction Group has been selected to do the $360-plus million project of a new four-lane bridge across the um, Red River. It's something that is greatly needed. Um, over 30,000 cars cross the river every day. It's something that 
our 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 community has needed, and I'm um, I'm glad to know that the next step has been done. Now, I, as as positive as this is, until we're driving on the new Jimmy Davis Bridge, we need to keep the pressure on and keep the focus on how important this is because until you're driving, you never know. But I will say the James Construction Group is the same group that did the Barksdale interchange on I-20 and I-220, and mm-hmm. they did a great job. They they brought it in on budget, and that project is of the three Garvey bond projects. That was the first one completed in the state, and I'm I'm very optimistic that the Jimmy Davis Bridge, the new Jimmy Davis Bridge, will have the same intensity and focus and completed. Although it's still a it's a it's a four plus year project, um, this is this is great news for Shreveport Bozier. So uh, we're talking with Barrow Peacock, state senator. Barrow, is this going to be one four lane bridge, or are there going to be two two lane bridges like over no, Shreveport Marksville Highway? This is going to be a four lane median divided highway. It's going to correct all the way out to um, Arthur A. Key to Highway seventy one. It is going to then, once this new bridge is open, the existing bridge will be turned into a, a linear park connecting the pedestrian um, paths on both Arthur A. Teague and, and Clyde Fant. This is as much as it is the importance of safe travel and easing the morning and evening commute of, of citizens in Shreveport, Bossier. It's also a quality of life. This is something that if you look at what's been done in Waco and in Nashville, with taking bridges and converting them to linear parks, it's a positive thing for Shreveport Bossier. This is a quality of life with the Bossier Grocery Arena there. This sells Shreveport Bossier as positive, um, efficient travel, but also quality of life. It's going to be north of the current bridge. Is that the plan? North of the current bridge, correct. How far and up? I mean, a, it's going to be real close, I guess. It's going to be, I mean, in relative, but it's a when I've understood about 50 feet. So it, it'll be right there by the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge, just north of it. And one thing I will say, this is not a toll bridge. That is a very positive thing. This is going to be a bridge uh, where citizens and, and commerce can cross free of charge, other than we're paying for it through our taxes to this, um, as Louisiana citizens. You know, it's not going to be a toll bridge, and that's very positive. It's going to, what's the, what's the approach? Vision. What's the approach? Are you taking some of that old Hamels Park in? I mean, you obviously well, going to move it, everything it, north a little, right? It'll, it'll move a little north, and that's mainly on the Bozier side of it. And if you look at, if you're going over the Jimmy Davis Bridge, if you look right to the north of that, you'll notice that there's, there's land right there that I believe the city of Bozier has held for some time. And if you also look at the Jimmy Davis Highway in there, most of those signs are back a ways off of um, the Jimmy Davis Highway. The right-of-way is there for this new new approach and crossing of the Red River. Uh, that just I'm trying to visualize, because I just always assumed it was going to be south of the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge. It seems like no, if it's, it's north, it's going to dump right into the Brookshire Grocery Arena or, no, the, or there, that, that Reeves, former Reeves Marine location. It, it, it is going to be right 50 feet. That's not much distance. It's going to be right north of the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge. Okay, let's okay. talk linear park a minute. Um, yeah. l- let me go- close my eyes. Don't close your eyes if you're driving, please. 
and visualize. Are there going to be picnic tables up there? Will there be, um, obviously, bike lanes? What's going to be up there on the Linear Park if Barrow Peacock has his wish? This is going to be a partnership between state parks, and then our local governments have really stepped up to say, we're going to provide security. We're going to provide picking up the litter and closing the, the park in the evenings. But it needs to be something that can be easily maintained, but something that can be used, that you can access. You know, we have wonderful paths on both Clyde Fant and Arthur A.T. This will provide that connectivity between the two. But it needs it's going to be a crossing. There's going to be, it's going to be ADA compliant. So people will be able to get there. Now, I have not, I know in the past people say, well, we're going to have elevators and this and that. ADA compliant? What, are you going to have a moving wheelchair thingy? No, but it will have the the appropriate kind of ramps to okay. get up to it. And right. so that's going to be done. And it's going to be something that, you know, quality of life. People who are outdoor, riding bikes, um, jogging will be able to use this. But it, it's going to be something that is practical. It's not going to be, you know, something we can be proud of, but um, something that what kind of what kind of green over. space is there going to be? Is anything planned for that, like a Frisbee that, golf course or something? Be, <laughs> No, it's not going to be a golf course, and those will be determined. I mean, those will be a community input will be involved with that, and that's that's down the road. What's, we're first going to get the new bridge built, mm-hmm. and the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge will be used for another four years, and then we'll have this new bridge, and then then that will be the focus on how to convert the existing Jimmy Davis Bridge into a linear park. And some people might say they don't want this is how you can do it, and that's the that's the point of this is this is a can do. This is cooperation between the state, DOTD, the um, Billy Gut, um, Nungesser's office, who's been great in this, local government, the Catavos report, all of us working together. And that's something that we all need to know. When Shreveport Bozier, when we all push and pull in the same direction, we can accomplish great things. And the new Jimmy Davis Bridge has been long overdue. And we need to keep the focus on it until we're driving on it. But we've made a huge step yesterday with DOTB announcing that they're going to accept the James Construction Group project um, for this this crossing. All right, Barrow. When the uh, when the linear park is open, I will keep working out and I'll ride my bike over it with you. Okay. That 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 sounds like a date. Did I, I do I do that? like that concept of yeah. of connecting the two. Uh, bike trails mm-hmm. on Clyde yeah. Fant and great Arthur idea. Ray Teague. That's yeah. a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the focus was is, is a new four lane bridge. Sure. That's the primary focus, mm-hmm. and that's you know we do have to find a use for the existing bridge to make that happen as a new four lane bridge, and that's what our citizens need. They need a functional, safe bridge with light that we can cross the Red River. One that we can be proud of as citizens of Freeport Bozer. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty. Also, a free download the Keel News app. You can take us with you, like the man in Korea that listens to us on the Keel News app. Absolutely, that is our, absolutely. <laughs> our military listeners in Germany. Yeah, 
Well, how do you say hello in German? Uh, aloha. <laughs> don't think that's it. I don't think that is it. I got a, sh- a shout out. Gutenstein Morningstein. Gutenstein, yeah. That, good, good morning. Is that, is that it? Guten um, morning. I got a shout out uh, thanks to the folks at Bally's. And they are having, I don't, I don't know, this is kind of in the weeds, but they're having a monster poker tournament going on all this week. Um, they're, they're having tournaments that's like noon today, I think one starts and they go, and there's some big, big prizes. And I played in the, the, um, media celebrity, whatever event last night. It was a charity event for, um, Roy's kids. So I want to thank, oh, um, nice. MSP, our buddy MSP for having me out. And I lasted until about like 9.30-ish, 9.45. At night? Yes. Oh, girl, no. So I was headed home, you know, late. So I'm kind of been on fumes today. But I had a great time. They had folks come in from Marksville, from Dallas. They had folks from all over the region. So if you want to try your hand at poker, um, Bally's has got a bunch of tournaments for a time set for you. Well, Entry fees are pretty reasonable. Try your hand. You don't want to go jumping into a tournament if you don't know how to play poker. Yeah, you know what? You could try it. If you some of them are like a hundred dollar entry, give it a shot. <laughs> try it. You never know. Yeah. Sometimes I know. Sometimes beginners get very lucky. Just don't play seven deuce, okay? Just don't do that. It's not a good hand. Don't play it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, thanks to all the folks that joined us this morning. Make it a great Wednesday. It's all downhill from here. Mike and McCarty. 101.7.